What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, and welcome to week six of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2017-2018 NFL season. Due to some construction-related nonsense, we're getting going a little late today. It's almost 11 o'clock, but like my picks proved last week, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. We were kind of treading water a little bit with the picks last week until right up towards the end when we got the last last three games and we pretty well nailed them right on the head for an excellent week across the board. But before we get into the results, just one more time, like I did last week. Hey, if you didn't catch the episode last week, I'm now an affiliate of Nerd Teas. Nerd Teas, a Canadian-based small business around loose leaf matcha teas, tea accessories. I'm very excited to be an affiliate with Nerd Teas now. And for being a listener, a subscriber, a fan of what I do, you have the opportunity to save 15% on your tea orders teaware, accessories, all that good stuff. You're going to save 15% on your order if you use my promo code, which is BWFINEST, B-W-F-I-N-E-S-T. And as an added bonus, of course, if you're in Canada, free shipping on any orders over $50. Why only in Canada? Well, they're a Canadian small business. For those of you in the States, you get the bump on the conversion with the dollar, so don't complain that you don't get the free shipping. I only include that statement because Hatbox Kid Chris Carter uh, whined about it in the comments last week. <laughs> Gotta bust balls at every opportunity. But that's not the important thing. The important thing here is nerdtees.ca. Use the promo code BWFINEST at checkout. Save yourself 15%. Folks, Ruby's tea blends are incredible. They're so good. They're really tasty. They're unique tea blends that you're not going to find in other places. If you're a tea drinker, if you have a tea drinker, maybe on your Christmas list, this would make an excellent Christmas present for anybody that loves teas, has a little bit of a nerdy side like we all do. It's a great option for you with Christmas coming quicker than you might think. It's a great idea. So nerdteas.ca. Promo code BWFINEST, save yourself 15% on your order, and free shipping in Canada on orders over 50 bucks. And I noticed a couple of thumbs down on the video last week, so I'm thinking like, oh, maybe people didn't like the, the plug at the beginning of the show. This is the last week that I'll be doing the plug right at the beginning of the show. For the rest of the weeks, it'll be, of course, in the description, kind of the little, the little outro to the beginning of the episode before we go into the actual picks for that week. All the information will be in there. This will be the last time that I'll put it right out front, but it's still so new and I'm still so excited about it. And Ruby is awesome. Nerd Tease is a great company. And the product is wonderful, and I think you should try it out. Now, without any further ado, let's talk about our results from week five before we go into our picks for week six. And like I said, it was a successful week across the board, straight up against the spread and over under last week. Straight up, I went nine and five in a week with only 14 games. I'll take that. I would have liked to have gotten to that double digit plateau, but I didn't quite get there this time, but nothing wrong with nine and five. That makes me 50 correct, 27 incorrect with no ties so far 
on the season. That's right around the pace that I was at last season. But like I said, the against the spread and the over under plays, they kept pace. Against the spread, I was 9-4-1. and one. Got the push in the Monday Nighter last night. I had Chicago plus three, and they lost by exactly three points. That leaves us 44-31 with two pushes against the spread so far this season. And that is a really good against the spread clip. It's right around where I was, I believe, last season. Over under, certainly not where we were last season, but oh my god, I went nine and five over under. Holy crap. Like, look, last week it was awesome because I got to what, eight and eight? So it was like right on 500 in the, sorry, in the week four games. But then in the week five games, ha, huh, nine and five. Holy crap. So that has me 32, 44, and one over under, but. Holy crap, 9 and 5. Now we're going in the right direction. Taking a look at the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks from week 5. Kind of a mixed bag, but if this is our average week, we'll definitely take it. The bronze pick, I was correct straight up. I told you to take Philly to beat Arizona. They clobbered them 34 to 7. It wasn't against the spread win. I told you to go Philadelphia minus 6.5, but we did miss the over-under. I told you to go over 45. Well, they only got to 41, so it was close, but didn't quite get it. The silver pick, we took the loss. I told you to take Pittsburgh in a good situation to beat Jacksonville, and Jacksonville destroys them 30-9. to Ben Roethlisberger throws five interceptions into that Jacksonville secondary. Wow, that, that's rough. He even says after the game, you know what, maybe I just don't have it anymore, and that's certainly not what Steelers fans want to hear. It wasn't against the spread win, as I told you to take Jacksonville plus eight and a half, because that was going to be way too many points one way or the other. We knew Jacksonville was going to be competitive in this game. And it was an over-under win, as I told you to stay under 44 points, and they only get to 39. Gold pick, I told you to take the Green Bay Packers to beat Dallas. They went into Dallas and did that 35-31. to 31. Oh my goodness, what an exciting game. Another Aaron Rodgers comeback. You leave Aaron Rodgers with the ball with more than 15 seconds left. That's pretty rough, boys. And they left him over a full minute after Dak Prescott scores that rushing touchdown. Green Bay wins the game 35-31. to It was an against-the-spread win, as I told you to take the Packers, who were two-point dogs in this game at the time that I made the video. So it was an against-the-spread win. And it was an over-under win, as I told you to go over 52.5 points. They get to 66. And the platinum pick, we won it straight up as the Patriots did hold on to beat the Tampa Bay Bucks 19-14 on Thursday Night Football. But against the spread, we did lose it as I told you to take New England minus five and a half. So they did not cover that as they only won the game by five points. And it was an over-under loss as I told you to go over 55 and a half. And somehow, inexplicably, these two teams only get to 33 points. So on the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze, I was three and one straight up, three and one against the spread, and two and two on the over/under. I mean, look, you always like to be four and zero straight up, so that didn't happen. But to be three and one against the spread and then five hundred on the over/under, I'm gonna take that. Let's take a look at the Bridgewater's Finest and Hatbox Pick'em Pools for season six of my show. And again, I believe it's year four for Hatbox. In the Bridgewater's Finest pool, I remain in second place out of 35 managers, 438 out of 633 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 69%. And once again, if prior seasons work out, that's pretty close to a championship pace. 
In week five, I only put up 66, but it was only out of 105 possible confidence points. So that's a clip of 63%. It could be better, but we'll definitely take it. Shout out to our week five winner, Matthew Parker 72. And Matthew and I are very communicative back and forth on Twitter. And uh, Matthew has already uh, DM'd me this morning that he was very excited that he's won the week. So Matthew, you did it, buddy. Matthew Parker 72, 10 and four straight up in week five. 73 out of 105 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 70%. I was actually winning the week uh, heading into the Monday Nighter last night, but I only had six points on it. And Matthew, I think, had 12 or 13 on the Vikings to win that game. So they did do that. Matthew wins the week with a 70% week. 73 out of 105. 69 King remains our overall leader, but has absolutely fallen back to the pack 69 king 50 and 27 straight up which is the same record as me 453 out of 633 possible confidence points that's a clip of 72 percent and it is still good enough to be in the lead but it's only now what a 15 point lead i believe so one more good week one way or the other and 69 king could fall right out of that lead it is very close Moving to the hatbox pick and pull for the last week or two, I've been like tied for third, tied for second. Well, now I'm in second place all alone. Second out of 38 managers with my 50 straight up wins so far on the season. That's a clip of 65% as I'm correct in 50 out of the 77 games. In week five, I pulled in nine, of course, correct picks out of 14. That's a clip of 64%. So right around the same as my season clip. Week five winners. We had three teams that went 10 and four last week in the hat box pool. So all three of those teams win week five, 10 out of 14 games, correct. 71% clip. Michael Marriott remains the overall leader in the hat box pool, but it has gotten a little bit closer as he is now only 51 and 26 so only one game better than me right on his heels 51 out of 77 means his overall season clip is 66 percent picking the games correctly two out of every three you can never complain about that so shout out to matthew parker 72 for winning week five in the bridgewater's finest pool and 69 king for remaining the overall leader in the Bridgewater's Finest Pool. And shout out to the three teams that went 10 and 4 in the Hatbox Pool to win Week 5, and Michael Marriott for remaining the Hatbox Pool's overall leader. Let's take a quick peek into Fantasy Corner, see how my four fantasy football teams did in Week 5 action. And I went 3 and 1 in those four leagues. The only team that lost was actually my team that was going into this week still undefeated at 4 and 0. Oh. So that team is now four and one, but across the board, I think I'm no worse than third place in any of my four leagues. So we're having a really good fantasy season. In the Professionals Dynasty League, I picked up a win in week five against Holly Gordon. I believe that was a projected loss originally. That moves my record to three and two. I got a week six matchup against Throw Up the Hex, which is my friend Rich Johnson. That's a projected victory for me, but there's a lot of, of course, bye week management that has to go into that. That's going to be a very close matchup. In the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League, I picked up the win, a tight win, a close win last night against Billy B. That moves my record to 4-1 and one in the NFL YouTube Prognosticators League, and I think I'm pretty close to the top of that league. 
I have a week six matchup with Gavin OC4, Gavin's team, Gavin O'Connor, a fellow NFL YouTube prognosticator who has already this morning wished me good luck in our fantasy matchup this week. So Gavin, good luck to you as well. It is a projected victory for me, but that's going to be another really close matchup. So in fantasy corner, everything is good. And I'll take the opportunity, as always, to remind you that if you go to the description of the YouTube video or the description of the file on SoundCloud or iTunes, you're going to find all of my results from week five, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week six in the 2017 NFL season. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pool, as well as the Hatbox Pick'em Pool. It is not too late. Keep making sure that you get in there and join. Put your picks up head-to-head -head against mine and other great NFL YouTube prognosticators. Get your picks in there. Maybe you get yourself shouted out on a week on this show. You're going to find information for subscribing to the Hatbox Nation YouTube channel. I'm continuing my finest NFL parlays, despite the fact that they are struggling mightily so far. I have a lot of fun doing it. So we're going to be continuing our piece of content on the Hatbox Nation channel, and you can find out the information to subscribe in the description below. You're going to find the link to the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page. That is where all of our videos get posted every single week. We talk football all week. We have a lot of fun. NFL YouTube Prognosticators on Facebook. All, most of your favorite progs are there, if not all of them. So make sure you join up and get in on the fun. And finally, you will also find information on NerdTees, nerdtees.ca. Use promo code BWFINEST at checkout. Save yourself 15%. Free shipping in Canada on orders over $50 Canadian. And again, all of the prices are in Canadian dollars. So for my American listeners, you're not going to get the free shipping, but you're going to get the friendly bounce on the dollar conversion. So just because you're in the US or even overseas, Nerd Tees ships worldwide. You don't have to worry about that. You're going to get the nice conversion, the nice bounce, the friendly bounce on the conversion from American dollars to Canadian. If you're American, if you're international to Canada, if you're Canadian, if you're anywhere, go to nerdtees.ca and just check out what they have. You're going to find something I know that you're going to love. Get your orders in there. Use the promo code save yourself 15%. All right, folks, we have got momentum to build upon. Let's do this. Week six, 2017 NFL picks. Here they come. So we're going to start in Carolina, a great early week matchup between two four and one division leading teams, the Carolina Panthers playing host to the Philadelphia Eagles. Both of these teams, Carolina and Philadelphia, riding win streaks right now. Carolina has won back-to-back -back games. Philadelphia riding a three-game win streak after losing their second game. Philadelphia has to be one of the most surprising offensive teams so far this season. We're at about the quarter pole, a little past the quarter pole now of the regular season. And to say that the Philadelphia Eagles would be the number three total offense in football, scoring well over 25 points, putting up more yardage and points per game than the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints, and the Washington Redskins, I don't think anybody, the, the Dallas Cowboys, look at that, I don't think anybody would have called that early in the season, that the Philadelphia Eagles would be having the kind of offensive season that they've been having, and it begins and ends with Carson Wentz. We talked about him last week. I think Carson Wentz is the most improved player in football, and may even be making an MVP case for himself 
On defense, little different for the Eagles. Their total defense, not doing great. The run defense has been excellent. They're only giving up an average of 63 yards per game on the ground. The secondary, not looking all that great. Giving up over 280 yards per game, which actually has them sitting in fourth last in the league in terms of their secondary. So teams can definitely pass on this Eagles defense, but what they've had a hard time doing is scoring. Despite the fact that you can throw on this team, Philadelphia is in the top half of the league defensively in terms of points allowed. They're allowing less than 20 points per game, so they're kind of playing that Baltimore Ravens style, really solid run defense, bend but don't break in the secondary, very reminiscent of those good Baltimore Ravens teams. Meanwhile, I don't think it's unfair to say that the Panthers have been riding their defense to lead them to the 4-1 and record that they have right now. Uh, Carolina is only the, let's see, where are they here? I, I had them and then I lost them. They're the number 18 total offense in football. They're putting up about 21 points per game. They're just under 100 yards rushing per game. They've had a pretty good run attack for most of the season. Cam Newton has been very up and down in the past game, but it seems like he's kind of turning it around a little bit. But on defense, Carolina has been spectacular they're the number three total defense in football right now giving up less than 200 yards per game through the air that will really be tested this week against the philadelphia eagles and the run defense has been excellent just under 80 yards per game allowed for the panthers defense in terms of points against, these two teams are basically exactly the same. The Eagles have allowed one extra point per game than Carolina has. And when the defenses are relatively similar, typically I will defer to the team with the better offense. That's the Philadelphia Eagles for sure. It's worth pointing out. The Carolina Panthers, despite being 4-1, and one, only have a margin of victory of about two points. And that tells me one of two things. Either they're winning and losing really incredibly close one possession, you know, field goal either way games. Or they're winning by a little bit more than that, but when they lost, they got blown out. That unfortunately is the case here as their one loss, a home game against New Orleans, they did get blown out 34-13. to this is a Panthers defense that will give up points to really good offensive teams. And the Philadelphia Eagles are a really good offensive team. Right now, they're tied for the number two offense, number two best offense in the NFC, tied with Green Bay, only behind the Rams. And again, the Rams, I feel like that off, I still feel like that offense is a little fluky. Got to defer to top to bottom better team. And I feel like top to bottom, the better team here is the Philadelphia Eagles. That's who I'm going to go with. Even though the game's in Carolina, I like the Eagles to beat the Panthers. On the line, Carolina, three and a half point favorite at home. Obviously, I like Philadelphia to win, so I like Philadelphia's side of that. Even if I didn't like Philadelphia's side of that, I really don't foresee the Eagles getting blown out here. So take Philadelphia plus three and a half at Carolina. Total in this game is 46 points. The two teams are a combined six and four over under so far, but I'm actually feeling the under in this game with Carolina's defense as good as it is, Philadelphia's run defense as good as it is. I just don't feel a ton, a ton of points in this game. So 46, I think it's too many. Stay under 46 points in Philadelphia, Carolina.
Let's go to Minnesota now, where thank God the Vikings get to go home after that Monday night or last night against Chicago, where they kind of barely escaped with the victory there, 20 to 17. They have to play Green Bay. At least it's an advantageous situation with Minnesota being at home, but oh my God, that quarterback situation. I tweeted it last night, watching Sam Bradford in that game last night was at a point, it was like watching a snuff film. It was it was unreal. I couldn't believe that they were leaving him in the game. Like he looked like he was on one leg. Like he just looked absolutely hobbled, re-aggravating his knee injury. I would be shocked if he plays in this game on a short week, well, relatively short week, but it, it is, it is, you know, technically by definition, it's a short week. And they have to play the Packers, who have a good pass rush. I would be shocked if Sam Bradford plays in this game. That means it's going to be Case Keenum. Arguably, I think Case Keenum gives them a better chance to win, but I don't think they're going to win. I, I got You got to take the Packers here. After they went into Dallas, and I realize it's back-to-back road games, but after they went into Dallas and did to Dallas what they did to Dallas, I think Minnesota... I just think this is going to be a rough game for them. I don't know that Minnesota is going to be able to get much on the offensive side. So I have to take Green Bay here. I'm going to take the Packers on the road to beat Minnesota. There is nothing for this game. Nothing. There's not a spread. There's not a total. And look, we're running into this problem now more and more where Vegas are a little cowardly and won't put out totals because oh, I got to wait on this injury. Vegas is a bunch of pussies. Anyways, there's no information on this game whatsoever. So right now I have to take Green Bay as a pick because there's no spread. It's not going to be a pick <laughs> I would imagine that Green Bay will be probably three to four point favorites, especially with the uncertainty in the quarterback situation. When the numbers do update, I will update it in the description to the YouTube video below. And I'll usually make a comment on the YouTube video saying, hey, these numbers have been updated, so I've updated the numbers there. Right now, I have to take them as a pick But I mean, I would take Green Bay on this side of the spread anything less probably than a touchdown because I think this offense is just going to keep on rolling. Again, no total in this game either. The two teams are 6-4 and four over under so far on the season. But I think the watershed mark here is somewhere around 44. I figure you'll get like a 44. Three and a half, 43, 44, something like that. If you get 44, maybe go over on it. If it's anything more than that, like if you somehow get a 45 or a 45 and a half, I think you have to stay under because we don't know what we're going to get out of Minnesota's offense. So if you get like a 45, 46, stay under on it. 44, 43 and a half, 43, you might want to consider going over because I think the total is going to wind up somewhere around that, somewhere around 44 points in Green Bay, Minnesota. Let's go to New Orleans now where the Saints, winners of two consecutive games and all of a sudden not really looking like the glass cannons they've looked like in the past, welcome the 3-2 and two Detroit Lions into town. And everybody knows if you've been listening to my show what an absolute man crush it seems like I have on the Detroit Lions right now. How can you not have a man crush on a team that's won both of their road games, has put up 123 points in five games? It's hard not to have a man crush on this team. Now the Saints, as I mentioned, they're winners of two consecutive games. They just pitched a shutout against Miami. Now, look, I mean, Miami's offense is bad, but the New Orleans Saints are not a shutout defense. But, hey, they pitched one against Miami. I believe that was across the pond in London. And as I mentioned, Detroit lost their game last week. Saints, stop me if you've heard this one before, still a top 10 total offense in football right now. 
getting it done a little bit more with the run game. They're doing a pretty good job of trying to establish that they're not a pass-only team anymore, but they're only putting up about 23 points per game, which is definitely a lower clip than you would have expected for the Saints offense. You usually expect them to be somewhere around 26-27. Meanwhile, Detroit might not be moving the ball as effectively as they want to. They're only the number 29 total offense in football right now. They're still kind of struggling running the football, but they're averaging almost 25 points per game, so they're making the most out of the least. You know how we talked about Philadelphia just a couple games ago being one of those bend-but-don't-break defenses that's giving up a lot of yardage but isn't necessarily giving up the points? That's the New Orleans Saints, too. New Orleans, the number 29 total defense in football right now, giving up an average of just under 375 yards per game. But they're only giving up 19.5 points per game. Now, I understand that number is skewed because of the shutout. I get that. But it's still only 19.5 points per game. So the Saints defense is playing better than they had been in the past. Look, I guess I'm a sucker here, but I, I got to defer to the team that's undefeated on the road, don't I? Like, look, they're 2-0 and on the road. The Saints lost their only home game so far. I'm sorry. I have a man crush on the Lions, I guess. I'm sorry. I got to stick with it, though. I got to go with my gut. I really think Detroit does win this game. So I'm going to take the Lions on the road in New Orleans to beat the Saints. On the line, New Orleans is favored by four and a half points at home. Obviously, I like Detroit to win, so I like Detroit plus four and a half. I think that's too many even if you like New Orleans to win because Detroit certainly, at the very least, is going to keep this game very close and very competitive. Field goal at the end of the game could very well win it, so I really like Detroit plus four and a half. Total in this game is 50 and a half points. The two teams are combined six and three over under so far this season. I think you got to go over on it, even though it's a relatively big number. I really think you got to go over the 50 and a half in Detroit, New Orleans. All right, let's talk about the Jets and the Patriots. Now, the Patriots finally won a game that they didn't have to score 30 or 40 points to do it. Uh, Tampa Bay just could not keep up with them in terms of Tampa Bay's offense. They only put up two touchdowns on the game. 19 to 14 was the final score there. Really rather interesting. And let's talk about them New York Jets. After they started the season 0-2, they've reeled off three straight wins. They're the hottest team in the division right now. Tied, well, I mean, it's a three-way tie for the division lead, but still, they're tied for the division lead after five weeks. Who in the world would have predicted that? Here's my problem with the Jets. Despite the fact that they're over 500 at 3-2, and two, their average margin of victory is negative 3 points, which means the games that they lost, they lost really bad. Now look, the Patriots' average margin of victory is like uh, barely over 1 point. So it's not like, in terms of margin of victory, this is a crazy wide gap. Well, I guess 4 points relatively, but I mean, like, look, it's the Patriots against the Jets. Even though the game's not in Foxborough, you've got to take the Patriots here. They're, they're the better team. They know this division better than anybody. you got to take the Patriots here in a good spot. I like the Patriots to go into New York and beat the Jets. But on the line, like, Vegas, I just, like, I don't think Vegas gets it. Or maybe I don't get it. I, I get, maybe I don't get it. Who knows? But the Patriots are nine and a half point favorites. And there's, there's no reason for them to be nine and a half point favorites. Like, look, I realize the Patriots put up 19 points last week and didn't have Gronk. 
Now, they're likely to have Gronk this week, and that does make a big difference. But you can't make the Patriots nine and a half, almost 10 point favorites when the defense is playing as bad as it has been. Like, look, last week was would have been a combination of New England's defense maybe playing a little bit better, but Tampa Bay's offense struggled in that game as well if you watched it. So you still can't make them nine and a half point favorites on the road in a division game. I'm sorry, you can't do it. Take the Jets plus nine and a half. Take it all day. Like, look, that is just way too many points. Like, look, I like the Patriots. Uh, obviously, Tom Brady, one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest. Nine and a half points in this game is too many. Vegas hasn't figured it out yet. So Jets plus nine and a half. Total in this game, 47 and a half points. You have to go over on it. Despite the fact that both of these teams went under last week, there's still a combined six and two over under so far on this, or six and four, sorry, over under so far on the season, which means heading into last week, they were a combined six and two. This game's going to go over. So take over 47 and a half points in New England, New York Jets. All right, we started off late. Let's pick up the pace here a little bit. Let's go to Baltimore now, where we're going to see Baltimore, the Ravens, take on the Chicago Bears. And hey, Mitch Trubisky, what do we think? As far as I'm concerned, it was a little bit of a mixed bag. I mean, look, he was under 50% with his passing. I think he was 12 for 25. So that's ooh, that's a problem. Less than 200 yards, ooh, that's a problem. He threw a touchdown. That's good. That's a thumbs up. He did also throw an interception. Yeah. And even his touchdown was kind of a lucky bounce. Uh, he lost a fumble. So that's two giveaways. But then he had this that incredible trick play on the two-point conversion to tie the game. So it's, it's one of those games where it's just like, what do you even think about him right now? I think in that game, Mitch Trubisky showed that he deserves to be the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears. I don't think they can go back to Mike Glennon until Trubisky does a lot more to lose the job. Because, I mean, look, Glennon was just a turnover machine in the first four games. Like, it was, it was incredible. Interceptions, fumbles the whole shooting gallery. Like he just gave the ball away way too many times. And that's why Chicago, I think is a minus nine in, in, in turnovers. So you got to imagine this is Trubisky's job until he really blows. It has like a four interception two fumble game or something crazy like that. And Chicago just gets blown out. I don't expect that that's going to happen this week. Cause I don't think Baltimore's got the offense to really blow a team out of the water like that. They've got a pretty good defense, and the game's at home where the defense plays markedly better. So this is a second straight tough defensive test for Mitch Trubisky and the Chicago Bears. What I do think Chicago has to do to keep this game close is to really pound that run game. Jordan Howard looked fine last night. Tariq Cohen looked fine last night. They have to run the ball. Baltimore is susceptible. They give up 123 yards per game on the ground. So you can definitely run on this team probably easier than you can throw on them. They're giving up just over 205 yards per game through the air. So Trubisky has got to defer in this game. He absolutely 100% has to defer to the run game, see what they can do with it. As a matter of fact, I think both teams are probably going to defer to the run game as Chicago gives up 100 yards per game on the ground as well. But hey, let's talk about Chicago here. Just kind of sleeper top 10 total defense so far this season. They're number six in the league. That secondary has been very, very tough this year. So in a game where I think both teams are going to pound the run, 
I do think I have to defer to the Ravens in this one as the home team. Again, another tough test for Mitch Trubisky through the air. Probably going to see another interception in this game. Might see a second turnover as well. I like the Ravens here at home to beat Chicago, but I don't like the Ravens on the spread because for some inexplicable reason, the Ravens are favored by a full touchdown. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. Their offense isn't good enough to justify being a full touchdown favorite. Chicago's defense is too good to justify an opposing team that doesn't have a great offense being a full touchdown favorite. So you definitely take Chicago plus seven in this game at Baltimore. Total in this game is only 41 and a half points, but you still have to go under on it. The two teams are a combined three and seven on the over under so far this year. It's a low number, but in a game where both teams, I think are just going to pound the run all day and take a ton of time off the clock. It's a low number, but you still have to stay under on it under 41 and a half points in Chicago, Baltimore. Let's go to Arizona now where the Cardinals will welcome the Tampa Bay Bucks to town. And all of a sudden, On the offensive side of the ball, Arizona not looking as good as they were. Look, Arizona can still throw the ball. Don't get me wrong. 289 yards on average per game. That has them firmly as number two in terms of pass offense in football so far this season behind only New England. They can pass the ball. They can't run the ball. 51.8 yards per game on the ground. That is not good enough. And it shows as they're only scoring 16 points a game despite having the number two pass offense in football. You look at Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay can also throw the ball. They're the number three pass offense in football, 288 yards on average per game. And they can run the ball better too, 86 yards per game, which is still not great, but I would certainly take 86 yards a game over 51.8 as the worst run offense in football, that being the Cardinals. And it's showing in points scored as they are scoring, they being, of course, Tampa Bay, a full, pretty well a full five points per game. Actually, it is a full five points per game more than the Arizona Cardinals are. I doubt that this is going to be much of a defensive battle as you have an Arizona team that's giving up an average of 25 points per game even. And you have Tampa Bay that's the number 30 total defense in football. You can definitely throw on this secondary. But Tampa Bay, another team that's kind of playing that bend but don't break defense because they're only giving up an average of 21. Bucks have lost their only road game so far this season after being a pretty darn good road team last season. But Arizona, just the struggles are just continuing there and the defense is simply not getting it done. You got to defer here to the team with the better defense. Statistically, that is the Tampa Bay Bucks. I like the Bucks in this game, even though the game's in Arizona. I like Tampa Bay to go into Arizona and beat the Cardinals. On the line, Arizona's a two and a half point dog at home. It's less than a field goal. You got to take the favorite side of it if you like Tampa Bay to win the game like I do. So I'm going to have to take the Bucks minus two and a half at Arizona. Total in this game is 44 and a half points. Kind of a middling number. Two not great defenses, but the two teams are a combined three and six over under so far this season. So I think I got to stay under on it. We're going to go under 44 and a half points in Tampa Bay, Arizona. Let's go to Jacksonville now where the Jags are going to come home after that super impressive victory in Pittsburgh where they intercepted Ben Roethlisberger five times and they're going to face probably their toughest 
offensive test of the season in the LA Rams, the number one scoring offense in the NFC. The Rams, of course, coming off of a loss last week. Rams lost a game last week that I honestly thought they should have won, a game against Seattle. I believe that game was 16-10, to so they only put up 10 points on a defense that does not play very well away from their own barn, but they could still only put up 10 points. Now the Rams have to hit the road and go face a really good defense in the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's going to be rough. And again, I know what the numbers say about the Rams. I just still think those numbers are deceptive. I think, look, 30.4 points per game. I don't think this is a 30-point-per-game offense top to bottom. I really don't. I think they've still been kind of cruising off of the early season success. And once that has now started to kind of taper off a little bit, I'll be really interested to see how the Rams rebound, especially given that they're really not balling out on defense, especially the run defense giving up an average of over 130 yards per game. I think that's going to be a problem against Leonard Fournette. You got to like the Jags in this one. Absolutely. The Jags coming off of a big road win. Now they get to come home, play a team that lost last week, going in the opposite directions here. It's a great situation for the Jags. I like Jacksonville at home to beat the Rams. On the line, Jags are only favored by two and a half points. That's really not too much to give up here. So you got to go Jacksonville minus two and a half. Over-under total in this game is 43.5 points. The two teams are a combined 7-3 and over-under so far this season because despite Jacksonville's defense being really good, the offense has been pretty darn good too. So they are scoring points and the Rams are having trouble keeping yardage off the board. So 43.5 points, I think you got to go over on it. These two teams can play defense. The Rams haven't particularly shown it for big stretches this season. But 43 and a half, I think it's going to go over in Jacksonville, LA Rams. Let's go to Kansas City now, where if you want to talk about two teams going in opposite directions, we got it right here. The Kansas City Chiefs still undefeated at 5-0. By no means are they perfect. That defense has got problems, but the offense has no problems at all. So the 5-0 Kansas City Chiefs. Average margin of victory, a little over 10 points so far this season. So that offense has really been cooking. They are going to play host to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are 2-1 and one on the road so far this season, but obviously lost a really embarrassing game last week. And you got to wonder what's going on with the quarterback situation. It's been an awful long time since we've had to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers and a quarterback situation, but we absolutely have to right now. Look, after five interceptions, Roethlisberger looked old. He looked unable to do it anymore. And then he even said it in the post game. He said, look, maybe I just don't have it anymore. And that's going to be a really tough situation to go into when you have to now go and play the only undefeated team left in the NFL. But like I said, Kansas City has by no means been perfect this season, especially on the defensive side. Right now, Kansas City is the number 27 total defense in football, giving up 248 yards per game through the air and a buck 18 per game on the ground. You can run on them. You can throw on them. They've played bend but don't break because they're only giving up 22 points per game. But I think it might be a struggle for the Steelers to get to that mark. Maybe if they were at home, it'd be possible. But look, they only gave up, or they only scored rather, nine points against Jacksonville last week. Jacksonville, obviously, their defense playing really well, 
playing better than Kansas City's is, but I don't expect Pittsburgh to get to 20 points this week. That's going to be a real problem against a Kansas City team that's averaging getting to 30 points per week and just pounding the ball on the ground. I foresee a huge game here for Kareem Hunt as despite the fact that Pittsburgh's secondary has been really good, the run defense has been really, really bad. A buck 36 plus on average on the ground against the Steelers so far this season. Huge game for Kareem Hunt. Kansas City goes over in a big bad way. I like the Chiefs at home to beat Pittsburgh. On the line, Kansas City only favored by four points. It's less than a touchdown. I think you have to take it in Kansas City's own barn. Take Kansas City minus four at home against Pittsburgh. Over under in this game, total is 46 points. The two teams are combined four and six over under so far this season. But look, this is the number one scoring offense in football in terms of points scored. You have to take the over on it. It's kind of a middling number. I think you take that over 46 points in Pittsburgh, Kansas City. Let's go to Oakland now for a battle of the basement dwellers in the AFC West. One surprising, one not very surprising. The Oakland Raiders now at 2-3 and three with three consecutive losses. Going to play host to the 1-4 and four LA Chargers, who finally got their first win last week. The Raiders, obviously, we get it. Uh, the injury to Derek Carr, they did not look good offensively. In week five against Baltimore, Baltimore just creaming them basically 30 to 17. They did not look good on the offensive side. Didn't necessarily look good on the defensive side either. The second half, they definitely clamped down. But the first half, they gave up 24 points. And that's going to be a problem, obviously, going forward. Because the one thing this Chargers team can do is they can definitely put up points. Problem, of course, being the Chargers defense can't particularly keep points off the board which is going to be a problem going forward. I think we've talked a couple of times so far this week about teams kind of doing the most with the least in terms of scoring a lot of points off of not a ton of yardage. But uh, yeah, like Detroit basically is, is kind of the poster child for that. You look at the Chargers and it's kind of the other way around. The Chargers are the number 11 total offense in football in terms of yardage, but they've only scored 19.8 points per game. So they're kind of doing the least with the most, right? Like they're putting up... A bunch of yardage, but it's not translating into points. Like they are scoring the least amount of points of anybody in the top 13 in terms of yardage. Like they're tied with Minnesota and everybody else in the top 13 in yardage is scoring more points on average than they are. So they're looking good, but they're just not finishing. And that could very well be what costs them this week against an Oakland team that despite having far less yardage per game, like we're talking almost 70 yards less on average per game, but Oakland scoring more points. Oakland scoring almost 22 points a game. The Chargers are only scoring 20. Expect a ton of running in this game as Oakland and the Chargers account for the number 25 and the dead last number 32 total run defenses in football. So expect a ton of running in this game. I just, I have to defer to the home team in this one. Oakland's the better team top to bottom. I like the Raiders at home to beat the Chargers. On the line, Oakland favored by a full field goal here. Hedge your bets. Hedge your bets and take the Chargers plus three. 
I imagine this line will probably maybe grow a little bit because I think originally it started as a plus four. So it's gone back to a plus three, but I would imagine, especially if it turns out that Derek Carr is going to play this week, which is a possibility, apparently. Like, how can you play two weeks after fracturing your back? But apparently you can. So it's a possibility that this line could grow. So right now I like Chargers plus three. I'd like it even better if that would go back up to plus four. There is no total in this game so far. These two teams are five and five over under so far on the season. They both went over last week, which is worth taking note of. Uh, Oakland didn't do a ton to get that over, uh, but they did both go over last week. So the watershed mark here, I think, is going to be somewhere around 44 points. So if you get significantly lower than 44, take the over. If it's significantly higher than 44, take the under. That's the way I'm going to tell you to go in Oakland, Los Angeles. And the last game we're going to look at before we get into the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week six are the Tennessee Titans playing host to the Indianapolis Colts. This is another matchup of basement dwellers, this time of the AFC South, and it is, an, again, another instance of two teams kind of going in different directions. The Titans have lost two straight games. They're getting outscored badly in their games. The Colts are getting outscored badly in their games, but hey, they did win last week. Both of the Colts' wins so far this season have come in the friendly confines, which definitely helped them. The Titans have lost two of their three games so far on the road and are only one and three against AFC opponents so far. The Colts have only played one AFC team and they won that game. It's weird to think with the way the Colts have played so far this season that they would have a better anything than any other team, but they do have a better pass offense on average than the Tennessee Titans do. Tennessee only putting up 184 yards per game through the air, while Indianapolis is putting up just over 200 at 202. Jacoby Brissett has definitely helped out with that. But Tennessee is scoring more points. They're scoring 22 points a game, whereas Indianapolis is still under 20 and a big part of that is Tennessee's run game almost a buck 25 on average on the ground so far per game while Indianapolis they're sitting right at 100 so look you can't discount the Colts run game either the run defenses are fairly similar here Indianapolis giving up a buck three per game on the ground Tennessee giving up a buck 10 so it's pretty pretty comparable the secondaries are not comparable at all Indianapolis has been shredded through the air so far this season 294 yards per game given up through the air that is not good Tennessee sitting at 235 which kind of has them around middle of the pack no actually sorry it doesn't it has them fairly close to middle of the pack but yeah 235 per game against through the air has Tennessee at number 24 but Indianapolis has the third worst secondary in the league you know what, if the game was in Indianapolis, maybe I might consider taking the underdog side of this game, but you got to take the home favorites here, who I would assume anyway are going to be the home favorites. You got to take Tennessee at home to beat Indianapolis. And once again, there is no information for this game. It's like the Green Bay-Minnesota game. Uh, so you got to take Tennessee as a pick em because there's no total or no line. Again, when the line comes out, I will update it in the description to the YouTube video file below. I will make sure to get that updated. And there's no total in the game either. But I honestly think the watershed mark here is going to be somewhere around 49, 50, 51 because the defenses, I think, give up a lot of points. I think it's going to make the offenses look better. And these two teams are 7-3 and three combined over under so far this season. So if you get a number that's like a lot lower than 51, 
I think you got to take the over on it because I think there will be points scored in this game. I wouldn't be surprised to see like a 27 to 24 or something along those lines. So you got to take Tennessee's side of it. I like them to win right now. It's a pick them. We'll see what it is when the line actually comes out and somewhere watershed around 51 points. That's how I'm going to tell you to go in Tennessee, Indianapolis. All right, folks, here we go. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week six, 2017 NFL season. We're going to start with the bronze pick where I am four and one straight up, three and two against the spread, but still winless at 0-4 and one on the over-under. My bronze pick sees the Washington Redskins at home playing host to the 49ers. Skins lost last week to fall back down to two and two on the season. But this is just a situational pick, really. Look, the 49ers, they're, they're scoring points. Actually, these offenses are relatively comparable, which is weird to say. So the Niners are at least scoring some points, but they can't keep points off the board. They've given up 120 points on average in their, or on average, Jesus, 120 points total, sorry, in their five games so far this season, which is right around, what, like 24 points a game, something around there. So they can't keep points off the board. And in a game where the offenses are relatively similar, one team has a markedly better defense, and that's the Washington Redskins. That's why you got to go with Washington. Even before the fact that the game is being played in Washington, got to take the Redskins here. I like Washington at home to beat the 49ers. On the line, Washington's favored by 9.5 points at home. I don't think you can take that. I just think... That's too many points for an offense that's not really setting the world on fire. You know what I mean? Like they're a top 10 total offense, but they're only scoring 23 points a game. So for that to work out, it would have to be 23 to 13 or something. And I, I just, I that's not a score that I see. Like maybe a 22 to 18 or something like that. Like a little bit, you know, a little bit higher than that. But I just don't see Washington covering almost 10 points against anybody right now, even if the game's at home. So I got to go San Francisco plus nine and a half at Washington. Total in this game is 46 and a half points. The two teams are combined four and five over under so far this season. Now they did go both over in their last games. Each team went over the last time they hit the field. But I think this game stays under. I think it's going to be a lot of running on both sides. Maybe Washington tries to air it out with Kirk Cousins, but he hasn't really been doing that this season. So 46 and a half points, it's a little on the high side of a middling number. I think you got to stay under on it because obviously before both of these teams went over in their last games, they would have been a combined two and five over under. So stick with under 46 and a half. So Washington wins straight up at home against San Francisco. I like San Francisco plus nine and a half on the line. Under 46 and a half points, that is your bronze pick. My silver pick, where I am now under 500 straight up, two and three straight up, four and one against the spread, and two and three on the over-under, sees the Houston Texans at home playing host to the Cleveland Browns, and holy cow, could that week have gone any worse for Houston? They lose J.J. Watt and they lose Whitney Merciless in the same game to season-ending injuries. That is such a huge blow to this Houston Texans team and to their playoff hopes. 
Now, luckily, the Texans play in a super weak division right now, aside from Jacksonville. Looks like Jacksonville ha really has a chance here to almost run away with this division. But, like, Houston's got a chance. They still got a shot, but it definitely hurts to lose defensive players of that caliber in the same game, almost on back-to-back -back plays. Texans obviously lost last week. Cleveland, obviously, is still winless. They are 0-5 on the season, one of what, two 0-5 teams? Three 0-5 teams. Oh, right, I forgot about the Giants because it's easy to forget about the Giants. So three teams that are winless. I think Cleveland, of the three teams, probably has the best shot to win this week. If this game wasn't in Houston, I would probably be taking the Browns on the upset. But I just, like, I just, I don't know. I just, like, I can't, I can't do that. Because, like, despite... The Texans being under 500 right now at two and three, their margin of victory is still three points. So when they win, they win big. And Cleveland just doesn't know what winning is yet. So you got to take the favorite here. You got to take the home favorite here. I like Houston at home, despite the injuries, to beat the Cleveland Browns, but it's going to be a competitive game for sure. It'd be really interesting for me to see how that excellent Houston run game goes up against what is right now a top five total run defense in football. That's the Cleveland Browns. On the line, the Texans are favored by 10 points, and that's another one where it's just, no, like you can't, like no, you can't, you can't. Cleveland plus 10, because again, Houston's injuries on the defensive side are gonna hurt their ability to stop the run. Cleveland has the ability to run the football and Deshaun Kaiser has the ability to run the football himself. And without guys like JJ Watt, just making things ridiculous on the line of scrimmage or Whitney Merciless standing in the pocket, just waiting for a running back to show up. There's going to be running lanes in this game for both teams. And 10 points is just way too many here. So Cleveland plus 10 at Houston. Total in this game is 44 and a half points. The two teams are a combined four and six over under so far this season. It's kind of a middling number, but for some reason I kind of feel the over. I, I gotta I feel like I have to go over until I see how Houston's defense is going to respond in a full game without Watt and Merciless. So I want to see how Houston's defense responds to that. So it's kind of a coin flip, but I'm gonna tell you to go over. So Houston beats Cleveland straight up in Houston, but I like Cleveland plus 10 on the line over 44 and a half points. That is your silver pick. Your gold pick where I'm still an undefeated 5-0 on the season, 3-2 against the spread, and 4-1 and on the over-under sees the Atlanta Falcons play host to the Miami Dolphins, and this should be a curb stomp. Atlanta all the way even though Julio's kind of dealing with a ham, I think it's a hamstring injury that Julio's dealing with, and Matt Ryan has kind of been underperforming. Look, there's no better formula to fix that right now, I think, than playing the Miami Dolphins because you don't have to worry about them uh, on your defensive side because on offense, they're not going to do anything with Jay Cutler or Matt Moore or whoever the hell happens to play quarterback for them. How about Colin Kaepernick? But... You don't have to worry about them on that side. So really, you only have to worry about what you're going to do offensively. And look, Miami's defense is certainly not the worst defense in the league. But, you know, the offense is certainly the worst offense in the league. So they're not the worst defense in the league. But I just don't see what they're going to do 
against the Falcons, like against that Falcons offense that can be so good. Miami's a top 10 total defense right now. They're playing well, but I, I think this is going to be Atlanta all day and it might be difficult to watch. I like the Falcons at home to beat the Dolphins. On the line, Atlanta's favored by 11 points, and despite the fact that Miami is a top 10 total defense so far this season and not giving up a ton of points, I still like Atlanta to cover this because God knows what you're going to get from Miami on offense. So Atlanta might only need 14 points to cover at minus 11, so we're going to give it to them. Atlanta minus 11. Total in this game is 47 points, but these two teams are a combined 2-6 and six over under so far this season, so play it smart and take under 47 points in Miami, Atlanta. So, Falcons beat the Dolphins straight up in Atlanta. I like Atlanta to cover the minus 11 point spread under 47 points. That is your gold pick. And the platinum pick, there's only one game left where I am 4-1 and one straight up, but a an abysmal 1-4 and four against the spread and over-under sees the Denver Broncos playing host to the New York Giants. And for all the painful defensive injuries that Houston had in their game, the Giants had the exact same on offense. Beckham's done for the year. Marshall is hobbled. Shepard is hobbled. Eli Manning is looking terrible. And what the hell are you going to do when you're entering the no-fly zone? I shouldn't say Eli's looking horrible. That's not fair. They're they're just barely inside being a top 10 total pass offense, but now they got nobody to throw the ball to. Though I love the fact that on, on, on either Twitter or Instagram or something, Terrell Owens and Ochocinco Chad Johnson both went on and they were like, hey, you guys need a wide receiver because I don't mind getting some game paychecks again until the rest of these guys are healthy so i thought that was actually really funny they might as well sign them what can it hurt but despite being a top 10 total pass offense they're only putting up 16 points a game they're really not getting it done and in terms of the defense the defense is not playing well enough to justify the fact that they're not getting it done and the run offense is not playing well enough really not playing at all. They're one of the worst run offenses in football. They're not playing well enough to justify the fact that the pass offense is not doing what they need to be doing. I think you got to love the Broncos in this game. The pass offense, not really doing it, but the run offense, oh buddy. And they're averaging 24 and a half points per game. Head and shoulders, the best offense in this game. And in terms of total defense, they're once again the number one total defense in football. Their run defense is nasty. Their pass defense is nasty, especially in Denver. The no-fly zone is going to be in full effect. Broncos all day. I love Denver to beat the Giants in Denver. On the line, Denver's favored by 12 points. Take that, because who the hell is going to catch passes for the Giants? So Denver, minus 12. It's another situation where they might only need 20 points to cover that minus 12, and I think they're going to get that. Total in this game is 40 points. I am still going to tell you to go over on it. The two teams are 6-3 and three combined over-under so far this season. 40 points is a very low number. Denver is scoring. The Giants might get something, but I highly doubt it. But 40 points, it's, it might not go over by a lot, maybe only a couple of points, but I still like over 40. So, Denver beats the Giants at home in Denver. Denver minus 12 on the line, over 40 points. That is your platinum pick. There you go, folks. Those are your week six picks, including the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks. It is now time for the time-honored tradition of the comment of the week. 
And this week, the comment of the week goes to fellow NFL YouTube prognosticator Andrew Warren, who has now started a podcast, by the way. So make sure on the NFL YouTube prognosticators Facebook page, you find the information for that because Andrew's a good guy. And he gets the comment of the week this week as well. Andrew's comment from the week five video, speaking about Carson Wentz, I think Carson Wentz is the most improved player in the NFL right now. I think he may take Philadelphia to the promised land and win the Super Bowl in his future. If that happens, then Eagles fans will appreciate him more than life itself. Hey, as long as they appreciate him more than they appreciated Donovan McNabb at the end, that's my little editorial. But for the London games, I think two more games are held in London. I think week seven when the Rams face the Cardinals and week eight when the Vikings play the Browns, both games are playing at Twickenham Stadium. So somebody can go back and double check Andrew on that one, but I think he might be right. Good luck this week, Justin. My Patriots are so angry. They will make the Bucks walk the plank on Thursday. By the way, which they did. By the way, I'm a nerd myself, but I'm not a tea drinker. But my sister is. I should check out Nerd Teas when I get the chance. Andrew, you absolutely should. And so should everyone else. Promo code BWFINEST. Save 15% at checkout. Thank you, Andrew. Yours is the comment of the week from the week five video. All right, folks, that is going to do it for week six in the NFL. We're going to get you out of here on my CFL picks for week 17, inching ever closer to the playoffs, ever closer to the road to the Grey Cup. Now, for as good as I was on the CFL picks in week uh, 15, so that would have been a little, uh, little, yeah, a little while back when I went three and one, gave it right back in week 16, was only one and three last week. So we're at 10 and 14 picking the CFL straight up. Let's turn this around this week. So for the CFL in week 17, I like the Calgary Stampeders on the road to beat the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at home to beat the Ottawa Red Blacks. I like the BC Lions on the road to go into Winnipeg and beat the Bombers. And I like the Edmonton Eskimos at home to beat the Toronto Argonauts. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, praying to God I can get this episode up before I have to go to work at four o'clock, my vacation's over, meh, but it is what it is. So hopefully I can get all that up and I hope you enjoyed the video. Hope you enjoy the games for week six. We will see you again for week seven, nerdtees.ca, promo code BWFinest, get yourself some tea, get some early Christmas planning done. Make sure you get over there. Just check them out. I'm sure you'll find something you love. Enjoy the games in week six. We'll see you again for week seven.